first love. When it leaves, relationships spiral downwards. When it returns, relationships thrive. What is the word? Thrive. Pastor Lynn, what is the word? Thrive. That's what we want in every relationship. And today we are kicking off this new series, Seven Traits for Thriving Relationships. And the reason why we're talking about these series and the reason why we go through series is so that we can keep our minds and hearts continuously learning uh, throughout these weeks. Uh, it takes a lot for us to learn something. You know, they say repetition is the best way to learn. That you say it over and over or, or listen to it over and over. And sometimes as parents, we don't like that part because we tell our kids over and over. Same thing every day. You say the same thing when you come home. You say the same thing when you go to bed. You're telling the kids, did you do your homework? How come you didn't do your homework? Clean your room, clean your room, clean your room. Did you brush your teeth? Did you take a bath? You're saying the same thing over and over. It sounds like wives speaking to their husbands. Same thing. You say the same thing over and over and over. Is that your shirt on the ground? Is that your clothes that you left on the ground? Same thing over and over and over. Repetition is supposed to work. That's why we do these series so that we can say the same thing throughout the week so that we can catch what God is saying. Now, sometimes it doesn't catch because we're unteachable. Or we just go through the routine. Or we're just hard-head. And sometimes being hard-headed, God says, well, hard-head, learn hard way. And we don't want to learn the hard way. We want to learn God's way. We want to learn the best way. So that's why we go through series. That's why we have notes in the bulletin so that we can take some notes, so that we can remember, so that we can go back and uh, review what we've been learning. It's just like in school, you know, you take notes, and then when the test comes up, if it's an open book test, you can, you can pass with flying colors. But if you don't take notes, then when the teacher says open book test, you're looking for your friend or your neighbor. I like borrow your notes. But in this case, when God says, I'm going to speak something to you, then you write that down, and it's specifically for you. And it's amazing that out of all of us here this morning, God speaks to us as individuals. And although we hear the same thing from God's word, he will hear something specific for us. That's how important you are to God, and that's how specific God is with us. And today as we talk about first love, we're going to learn from seven different churches that come out of the book of Revelation. And if you've been reading the bookmarker with us, we call it doing our devotions, then you would have read through the book of Revelation uh, sometime in December, late December, because we go through the entire Bible in one year. And so the book of Revelation, sometimes it's hard to understand because there's a lot of metaphors, there's uh, future and past, uh, there's a lot of prophecy in it. So sometimes, you know, we just don't get what God is saying in the book of Revelation. But really, Revelation is God's revealed word. It actually is about Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It has to do with him and who he is. So when you read the book of Revelation, always think about Jesus. It, it helps so much more when you read it. And during this season and this series, we're going to learn from these seven different churches in, in how our relationships can thrive, even though in our world, our relationships actually are decaying. Did you know that by default, in our relationships with one another, with our spouse, 
and with our coworkers and the people in this world, it automatically decays. The moment you come into a relationship with someone, it begins to decay. It's just a result of our human nature. You have to do something. You have to want to, and you have to be intentional about your relationship thriving. You have to do something about it because it's automatically decaying. And Jesus gives strong words to these seven different churches in the book of Re uh, Revelation dealing with relational issues, and we can learn from that. And the reason why we're calling it seven traits is because there's a trait is a distinguishing characteristic or quality, especially of one's personal nature. So it's a personal thing. There are bad traits of character also. And we know about bad character traits because we, we deal with that every day. That's why we come to know Christ. We want to be more like Him and the person He made us to be rather than our old nature, our bad character traits. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Charlie was talking about uh, Camp Agape, and that's coming up uh, in May. But he was just talking about some mistakes that we make and our children suffer from it. Or in this case, with Camp Agape, uh, we have children of incarcerated parents that we reach out to and, and we love upon so that they understand how valuable they are to God. And we talked about a special offering, which we'll do today at the end of service. And let me just remind you, whenever we do a special offering, like Pastor Lynn was saying, it's an over and beyond kind of giving. So it's, it's only if God speaks to you. We never want to be a church that pressures you into giving. We want to be a church that, that encourages you to hear God's voice, that you hear what He says, and when He says for you to give, then you obey Him. And don't feel pressured at, at any point to feel like you have to give. Anytime you feel pressured to have to give, then, then you got to think about, Lord, is that you? When it's the Lord, you will want to give. There's a willing heart that's included in it. And so that's going to come up at the end of our, our uh, service today. But this first love that we talk about, think about it. In every relationship, it starts off fresh. It starts off brand new. Whether it being with our spouse or loved ones or friends, coworkers, even family members, it's always exciting in the beginning because it's fresh. And, and once you leave that first love, that relationship begins to spiral downward. And returning to that first love is, is key to any relationship that's going to thrive. So anytime you have a hard time with your teenager, just remember when they were babies. Just remember that, 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 that first time you got to hold them and you got to, you know, you're raising them up. The first time they began to crawl, the first time they began to eat solid foods. And, and remember those first times when they first began to walk, you were so happy. And then when they started to run, you're thinking, I wish you were crawling again. It, 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 it fades away, that first love. So go back to that, remembering that first love. Now, even with your spouse, when you begin to feel like, oh, it's not the, the, like how it was before and the romance is no longer there. Go back to the first love, the first time you met. You know, when you looked at her, it was like you were like, you were like floating and there were like diamonds in their eyes. And, and it was like everything was so fresh and pure. Now when you look at their eyes, there's dirt in their eyes and, and makapiapia. It's no longer the same. It, that, that means we've forgotten that first love. And so what we want to learn in this series or today in this first love is how do we get back to that? How do we return to that first love? And it's not just in marriage, it's with our relationship with God. Remember the first time you met Jesus Christ and what that was like. 
we want to remember what it was like in this first love. And we can thrive in all of our relationships. We can thrive in our relationship with God and one another when we understand this thing called first love. And these different churches, the seven different churches, th there's, there's meaning to it. There's a reason why Jesus addressed this, these churches. And the first church he addresses is the, the church in Ephesus. And he addresses this church in such a way that, that it challenges their thinking. It challenges where they are as a society. And it, challenge them, it challenges them as a church. And really the, the, the word Ephesus, or in, in this case this church that God is talking about, really means first or desirable. And he's talking to these people who were first, that they desired things. And Ephesus, which was a, a wealthy city, they had it all. They were the metropolis, you know, they, they just had it all. Trading was great, uh, the economy was great. But however, when things started to decay, the church was addressed. God addressed the church, and the church experienced great promises, but there was one thing that they fell away from, and it was their first love. And I thought, what was their first love? What, what did they fall away from? I mean, you can say first love, but what does that mean? Well, Ephesus was an ancient Greek city on the western shore of Asia Minor and what is now Turkey. Uh, they were also, the, it was also the site of uh, the temple of Diana, if you read in the book of Ephesians and, and throughout the New Testament, they'll refer the Ephesians uh, and, and talk about the temple of Diana or in, in uh, some translations it says uh, Artemis because that's the Greek word for Diana. So don't think that, oh, I thought it was Diana. But it's the, it's the temple of Diana or Artemis, as you can say it interchangeably. And uh, when, when we see this happening and when we see Jesus addressing these churches, then, then there's something that we can catch from this. Because they were a wealthy city, major trading uh, played an important part in early Christianity in their town. So by the time they're planting churches into this town, into this uh, place, into uh, Ephesus, they're already coming into a wealthy city. They're coming into a well-known population. So they're coming into something that's already thriving. And so Paul, the apostle, if you read in the book of Ephesians, that's who he was writing to. He was writing to the people in this city of Ephesus. And in the book of Ephesians, we hear about uh, the redemption power of Jesus Christ. Uh, he cast vision for the followers of Jesus Christ. He uses the human body as an analogy of, of what the church is supposed to be like, that Christ is the head of the body, that it's organized with a variety of different gifts to accomplish God's overall vision for the church with their assignment. And the reason why Paul is addressing the church in Ephesus is because it's a brand new thing. It's a church that has been birthed, so everything is fresh. They have that first love. They're, they're doing things for God, they're expanding, they're loving people, they're inviting people to, to know God. So it's exciting. But then 30 years later, this is when the book of Revelation was uh, written. Between the book of Ephesians and the book of Revelation, there's a 30-year gap. From 62 AD to about 92 AD, we see the differences in the book of Ephesians and the book of Revelation talking about the people in Ephesus. And now in the book of Revelation, Jesus has to address a couple of things. In the beginning, oh, everything was fresh, brand new. They're going for it. They're reaching out to people. But then we see in the book of Revelation, certain things have changed. 
you can open your Bible or your notes, take out your notes, and we're going to be in Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 2 through verse 5, and then we're going to continue on. And the book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible. It was written by the Apostle John, and he was on an island that he was exiled to called Patmos. It's uh, on the outside of where Asia is. And on that island, it's, I wouldn't call it an Alcatraz, but that, that's kind of what it was like. It was away from uh, the, the metropolis or the cities and the major places. He was just in this place, but he, re- he got this revelation from God. And so he writes these words down. And in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 2, it says this, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. So up until this point, it sounds great. He's giving them uh, a pat on the back. He's saying, these are some things I've noticed. You guys are doing great up until this point. But, But I have this complaint against you as it continues. He says, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look at how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Notice interesting that God starts off with saying, I know all the things that you do. He knows everything that we do. We can't hide from God, nor should we hide from God. If anyone, that's the one person we should be vulnerable with, that we should be real with, that we should be open with. It should be with God because he knows all the things that we do. And it's interesting that the Lord takes what Ephesus is known for in being first and desirable and says, that's where you've fallen from. You were first. You were desirable. You had it all, but you missed the mark. And then he says, I'm going to bring you back to what your name actually means. And that means first, I'm going to bring you back to what you should be remembering. And that's love. Because as we know, love never fails. I remember when I first met Heidi. And this is, you know, 28 years ago. So we were just, you know, little kids. I was 12. She was 13. And so when we met, you know, you're so in love. And I remember visiting her at, they had a restaurant that they owned. And I visited her with my friends. And she, excuse me, they had a a snack shop. And I was sitting down, and Heidi passed by, and she gave me a candy bar. It was a candy bar. It was Rocky Road. I hate Rocky Road. And so she gave me that, and my friend said, hey, who's that? And I was like, it's my chick. And they said, what? I said, yeah, it's my girlfriend. She works over there. They're like, what? I was like, yeah, look at that, free candy. Now, if you're a little kid, and you get free candy, it's like having a brand new car given to you. That's what it felt like. And because, you know, you're in love. It, it means something. I mean, if Heidi gave me a candy bar today, I still would be in love. I still would be thankful. I still would love it. I would be thinking, well, how, how come you're giving me this? But back then, it was, it's, it's because everything is fresh. Everything is brand new. It was different. I'm so thankful that God continues to build our love today. And only God can do something like that. And only He can bring you back to a first love. Only He can do that. Otherwise, we spiral downwards. And and when you're in the season of first love, everything is amazing. You see, we forget sometimes what it was like in the beginning. We forget. 
Because life happens. But here's the first thing we can choose to do, and, and we're going to learn some three R's today. And the first one is to remember. This is how we return to our first love, to remember. Remember what it was like that made you love what it was that you loved. Remember what it was like. Look at how far you have fallen, Jesus says. He says, look at how far you have fallen. It's almost like him saying, rewind the tape, go back to what it was like in the beginning, and then kind of measure, and look how far you have fallen. What is your life like now in your relationships? What is that like in your marriage, in your job? Remember what it was like when you were first hired? You says, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make money so that I can have a better life, so that, so that I can have a family, uh, so that we can have better things, so that we can do well. But then after a while, now it just became a job rather than trying to do something significant not just for the company, but for customers and for people. Look at how far we have fallen, or in ministry, or in our family, or with our children. Remember, remember. And we can remember in two areas. Remember what life was like without Jesus, and remember what life is like with Jesus. And some of us have fallen far from that, the day of our salvation. And we forgot about that. And some of us, we remember what it's like to live life on our own without Christ. We understand that. And Jesus spoke why we needed to remember our first love. It's found in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. He says, here's the reason. Because sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. Now, the love of many will grow cold. Not all, but the love of many will grow cold. The question is this. Are you one of the many whose love has grown cold? Who's grown cold? Has your love come to a place where it's just cold now? The way you treat people, the way you speak to people is just a cold love. You're you're, you're cynical, you're cutting, and you you just give remarks. And when someone says something, you're, you're cutting real quick. That your love has just grown cold. And Jesus says, remember, remember your first love. Remember what it was like when you first came to know me. Remember what it was like when you would speak to people when you first knew me. You were loving to everyone, but for some reason your love has grown cold. He says, remember why you wanted to raise a family. Remember why you got married. Remember why you chose that career. Remember why you went back to school. Remember why you began serving. You might be thinking, yes, I do remember these things, but it's no longer the same. Well, then maybe God is bringing you back to his first love, which is a relationship with him. It's no longer in people, but he's saying, you got to return to your first love with me because you're my first love. And he always loves us. If God is distant, guess who moved? He says, look at how far you have fallen. He has a plan. He has a future that he sees for us. He has promises for us. Fall in love with the process that God has. Because for some of us, we, we, when, when things go bad, we start to question God. We start to question what he's doing. We question one another. We doubt God. And, and God says, no, fall in love with the process because I'm taking you somewhere. It's not always going to be smooth sailing because you're not always smooth on the edges you got some rough edges that I'm going to have to smooth out, so it's going to take some time. Be okay with the process. 
And that goes for each other with what God is doing in one another, with our spouse, with our family. Be okay with the process. Fall in love with the process. If we already know we can't change people, then fall in love with the process of God changing them. Just fall in love with it. Say to yourself, I've got to be okay with this. Because God is making us into the person he sees us to be. Otherwise, if we don't fall in love with the process of who God is making us to be or the person to be, then we'll look back one day and then we'll say to ourselves, wow, look at how far we've fallen. He says, fall in love with the process. And here's how you can remember. In Psalm 103, verse 2, it, it, it helps us to remember. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. How does it start off with? Let's say it together. Bless the Lord. When you're blessing the Lord, when you're giving thanks to God, when you're praising God and you're, you're saying, thank you, I appreciate you, you're, you're number one in my life, you are my priority. When you say that, you don't forget about his benefits. You don't forget about his promises. That's why worship is so important. That's why we lift our hands to him because we're saying no to our flesh but yes to God. We're saying you alone are God. We praise you. We thank you. And when we do that, we forget not all of his benefits. We remember his promises. See, I know when I've forgotten my first love with Heidi by the way I treat her, by the way I speak to her. And when I don't treat her well, then I know I've forgotten the first day we met. I've forgotten how precious she is to God. And the way we don't forget about those days is we keep talking about when we first met. We talk about the great things that God is doing in our lives. We continue to talk about it. We say it over and over. In other words, we're blessing the Lord. We're saying, thank you, God, for this, this, and this. I'm so appreciative. I never want to forget about the day I said yes to Jesus. So I keep talking about it. I, I, I keep saying it. That's my testimony. It's my, my testimony that I found Christ and now I'm a new person. And if I don't keep it in front of me, then I'm going to forget about it and I'm going to have a hard time remembering. If you don't talk about it often, you're going to forget quickly. Watch this test. Now, you got to say it as quick as possible, okay? How long have you been married? Go. <laughs> Somebody said too long. What? <laughs> you cannot say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was quick. But uh, now, now, don't fight about it, okay? Because some of you can say 25 years. No, 24. No, 25. No, because, you know, so-and-so was born here, this and that. But, but it's, it is a test. What year were you married? See, that's tough too. If you're not constantly thinking about it, it just don't come. You're like, I know it, I know it, but I can't get it now. It's, it's just a, it's, because if you don't talk about it often, then it's easy to forget. That's why he says to bless the Lord. When you, when you continuously bless the Lord, you remember the good things of God. You don't leave that first love because that's the most important relationship. That's our relationship with God. Every other relationship thrives because of that one. And if that relationship spirals downward, every other relationship will. It's our relationship with God that's the most important. The second thing we learn from this uh, church in Ephesus is to repent. That's the second R. So we remember and then we repent. But what does repent mean? Repent basically means to change one's mind. That's what it means. We repent every day. We repent all the time. Honey, where do you want to eat? Oh, up to you. Well, up to you. Where do you want to eat? Oh, up to you. Okay, let's go eat Jack in the Box. Oh, I don't want to eat there. You said up to me. And then you fight. Nobody wants to eat. You go home. 
See, you just changed your mind. You just repented from eating somewhere. So when we repent, it's not just a biblical Christian term. It's something we do all the time. And so God says to repent, to turn from your ways, to change your mind. Now, here's some things that we need to repent from if we ever say this to our spouse before it's too late. And we don't want to say this. These are sayings we should not say. These are sayings that we repent from, and I have four of them. And one of them is when your wife says, honey, do I look fat in this? This is what you don't say. Yes, honey, you do look fat in that. You don't say that. You repent from that. Or saying this to your spouse, you're starting to act like your mother. Unless in my case, I have a wonderful mother-in-law, so she's like the best. Or you sound like my mother. And this is what you don't say when you come home to your wife. So what did you do all day? <laughs> don't say that. See, these are sayings you don't say. You repent from saying those. It's going to come into your mind, but you repent from that. We repent all the time. In fact, in the book of Acts, the words that are given to us and to the churches is a very strong saying. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. It says to repent. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. See, there's these words, repent, converted, refreshing, presence, restoration. These are the words that is used because that's what happens when you return to your first love. You're restored once again. When you repent, you're converted, you're refreshed. We were on Oahu and we visited the North Shore. We were at Waimea Bay and the waves weren't that big, but it was super hot. So I wanted to jump into the water and Heidi says, no, because what if you get sucked out? And I'm like, it's just shore breaks. It's not that bad. And so I jumped in and it was fine. You got to cool off, and we go to the beach, and we stay on the sand for a little while, but if it's too hot, you jump into the water to cool off. That's what the Bible says when you repent, that you're converted, that you're refreshed by the presence of the Lord. It's like he just cools you off. When life is chaotic, step into the presence of the Lord, and he cools you off. There's a difference when you step into the presence of the Lord, and you step into the presence of the world. There's a difference. And God says, I want to do something in your life. I want to refresh you. And what makes this possible is when you change the way you think. There's a repentance that takes place. And when you drift from your first love, God says, I can refresh that. I can refresh that. But you need to repent. You return to me. And when you do, there's a conversion that takes place. From resentment to love, from bitterness to love, from hate to love, from unforgiveness to love, from disobedience to love, from frustration to love. He says there's a conversion that takes place because you repented. And when you repent, he converts your heart and fills you with his love. Therefore, being refreshed is because of his presence, not because of your works. It's all because of his work. And then he says this, the third thing to the church in Ephesus that we can learn from. He says to return. You remember, but you also repent, but you return. You return, and he says, this is where you return. He says, you return to me. 
You don't return to drugs or pornography or gambling or, or alcohol or another relationship or work or hobby or shopping. He says, you return to me. That's who you return to. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Newspaper columnist and minister George Crane tells of a wife who came into his office full of hatred towards her husband. And she says, I don't want to only get rid of him, I want to get even. But before I divorce him, I want to hurt him as much as he has hurt me. And it's written in this newspaper. And so the doctor says, well, I have a great plan. You know what? When you go home, then treat him like you actually love him. You treat him like he's your husband. When you go home, you cook for him, you clean for him. And when he wants to be intimate with you, you be intimate with him. You do that for a while, and then just when he's falling in love with you, drop him. Give him the papers. And tell him, nope, we're done. And that would hurt him forever, and you will have your way. And so she did that. Came back to the doctor's office, and, and he said, okay, so when you, what, what happened in the past couple weeks? You ready for the, the divorce? And she goes, no, why would I? I love him now. And I thought, when you, when you act as if you really love someone and you do the things you did at first, that first love returns because it's not, the, it's not necessarily the first love returned to you because that first love doesn't go away. You actually return to it. You did the things you did at first. I watch every relationship in a marriage. When it goes bad, I usually ask a couple questions. One is, how often do you go out on dates? I'm like, dates? We married. Why we got a date? That's the problem. Once you got married, you stop dating. That's where it goes bad. Well, we get kids, you know. Well, have someone babysit the kids. You would do that if you had something important to do. A date night is that important. That's what you used to do at first. You used to write love notes to one another in high school. You used to write love notes to each other when you first met. Now you write the to-do list. That's your love note. Love you, honey. Do these things. And that's our love letter now. Our bills is our love letter. No forget, pay it is, eh? That's our love letter. But do the things you did at first. Those are the things that are important. Psalm 51, 12, it says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Make me willing to obey you. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. It's like he's saying, don't forget the day you were saved. When you forget the day you were saved, you have no more joy left. But when you remember and you return to the Lord, now you understand that first day you were saved. You understand that your, your life has value, it has meaning, it has purpose. And you're willing. Because now you understand that it's the joy of your salvation, the joy that God rescued you. And he says now you have a purpose for living. And now you're willing to volunteer for him because you're noble in mind and character. That's actually what willing means. To be noble in mind and character. To make willing, to volunteer it's like when you, when you remember the day you were saved, you volunteer to love. You volunteer to speak kindly to one another. You volunteer to put others first. You volunteer. Why? Because you're noble once again. 
you remember that first day that you were willing because of God. You're noble in character. You love to serve. You love to treat your spouse with kindness, to treat your children well, to spend time with your children. You actually volunteer to do that, not feel reluctant to. He says, no, you, you're going to volunteer to do that. You're going to volunteer to help your spouse. You're going to volunteer to help other people. Why? Because you're noble in character. You return to God. You remember that first day. So you can drift from your first love, but that first love never drifts from you. It, it is always there. We've just forgotten to do the things we did at first. He says, return to me and I will help you with the things you used to do. I will restore to you the joy of your salvation. You will have those date nights. You will make time for your family. You will begin praying together once again. You will serve in a ministry. You will go over and beyond. Even at work, you're going to now spend more time thinking things through and how you can better the company, that you're going to be more organized. You're going to exercise. You're going to do your devotions. Why? Because you're voluntarily doing it now. It's no longer a chore. You understand and you, re you have returned to Him not to the tasks at hand. And now he has restored to you the joy of your salvation. He says, turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, and here's, the, here's where it gets real. He says, if you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. That's what he says. There's a, there's a consequence. So the question is, have your life been dull, void of passion, that it's been mechanical, that it's a routine now, or it's lifeless. That didn't happen overnight. It was a slow, gradual process of leaving your first love. For some, it was a slow, gradual process of leaving your first love for Christ. It was a slow, gradual process. Your, your, your passionate, bridal love for Christ. Have you ever seen a bride and a groom that day they were married? I mean, when, when you see that, I mean, you look at them and you're thinking, this is unbelievable love. This is the kind of love that never ends, never fades. But if you've been married for 40 years and you see them like that in the beginning, you're going to think two things. One, you're going to think, that's not going to last. Or you're going to think, you better stick to that because that can fade away. We understand these things. And he says, no, you go back to your first love. In fact, that's how Jesus describes us as the church. He says, you are the bride of Christ. You're the bride of Christ. There, that's, there's a reason why he says you're the bride of Christ. There's a reason why. There's, there's a love that the bride has. And there's a love that the groom has for the bride. And it's not the kind of bride that we see on TV like Bridezilla. That's not the bride of Christ he's talking about or say yes to the dress and all the, all the family comes and tells you what to do and it's all about the dress. He's saying it's, it's not about what you look like. It's not your exterior. It's about who you are in me. So when you return to your first love, you're really returning back to me because I am love. Therefore, out of this love, I will restore every other relationship. That's where our relationships thrive. It's returning back to him. It's our first love. And when you, when, and when you drift from this kind of love, just go back to repenting. Remember from where you have fallen. He'll restore you. But you got to return back to Him, He says. Otherwise, you will no longer be influential as a light unto the world because there's no more passion. 
And people can see that you're empty and hollow, even though we have a nice smile to cover the hurt and pain. That's why Jesus says in Revelation 2.7, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And he says this, To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. He gives us that picture. And here's his promise. When you overcome whatever it is that is bringing you down, whatever it is, you will not be without. You will not be left alone. God will restore you. God, God will bring back to remembrance that first love because you are no longer trying to be first. You're no longer desiring the things of the world. You're now desiring the things of God. He says, I will restore you. Now you're putting God first. You're desiring Him. He says, return to me. And when you do, now you're able to eat from the tree of life. And I found this to be true. When God is your first love, when He is first place, and you fall in love with Him, and you remember the things you used to do with God, the time you would spend with Him, the dedication and the commitment to sit before Him, even attending church. And I know some people, they say, well, church is, it's an organized thing and I don't like organization and, and so church is wherever I am and wherever God is. I understand that. But for some, like me, I need this. I need the body of Christ. Maybe some can operate without the body of Christ. But the way I see it, God says, no, you're designed to connect to the body of Christ. And when God is your first love, even your worst days are worth living for because he's first. We're going to pray today that we return to that first love. I think God, when he says return to me, knows the possibilities. And that's why he says come back to me. So would you bow your heads with me? Lord, as we pray to you, we're not just praying to anybody. We're praying to the God of love. That you said return to you because it's in this first love with you that our relationships thrive. Oh, our relationships automatically decay. It's, it's by default because of our sinful nature. And so we ask you, Lord, to restore unto us that first love. That first love with you, that we return back to you. We remember those days with you. We remember what it was like when we said yes to you. We repent. We change the way we think. And sometimes our, our, our thinking gets in the way of what you want to do. And so we repent from the way we think, from the thoughts we've had that are not good, that are evil, that pull us away from you, that push us away from you. We return back to you. Restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Lord, I pray for anyone that might be here this morning. Maybe they have never come to you as, as their Lord and Savior, as, your, as you being their God and you being their Lord and Savior. And maybe today is that day. And maybe they've never experienced the joy of salvation. Maybe they're looking at their past. Maybe they're looking at their behavior or, or what they've done. But you look at our present time and our future. And if there's anyone here this morning and you're saying, I want to experience that joy of salvation, then would you just lift a hand and what you're saying is, I, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Go ahead. Anybody else? Good. God bless you. God sees your hand. In the back, God sees your hand. Anybody else? You're saying, I, I want that joy of salvation. Okay. Good. 
can put your hands down. How many of you as Christians, you're saying, boy, I, there's some first loves that I need to get back to. And whether it's in my relationship with my family, at work, my career, a dream that I've had. Maybe with my children, I, I've drifted from that. Or maybe it's your relationship with the Lord. Maybe it's spending time with Him. Whatever it would be, you know what it is. Maybe this morning you're saying, Lord, restore unto me that first love. And if that's you, would you just lift a hand? You're saying, Lord, restore unto me that first love. Yes, Lord. I, I raise my hand too, Lord. Restore unto me that first love. You can put your hands down. Let's, let's pray this prayer together, especially for those who have never given their lives to Jesus Christ. And, and here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for eternity. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me brand new. I believe you died on the cross. And I believe you rose again to give me eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Lord, for many of us, it's our, our prayer this morning is just to restore joy of our salvation, to restore us in our first love. We've drifted, Lord, and, and we want to return to that first love. Restore our marriages, Lord, our families, our relationships, our vision, our heart to do well at work and in our career, in school. We want to do better, Lord. So help us with our first love by bringing us back to you because we are your first love. We pray these things in Jesus' name. We all said, amen.